G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It has been said, before marriage, he talks and she listens. During the honeymoon, she talks and he listens. After the honeymoon, they both talk and the neighbours listen. That you communicate in your marriage is not the issue. How you communicate is. The fundamental purpose of marriage is companionship. And the key to companionship, as with all relationships, is communication. One of the things that sets us apart from the rest of creation is the ability we have to disclose ourselves by means of intelligent verbal communication. No one knows you any more than you are willing to disclose yourself by communicating openly and transparently. If couples are truly to be one, there has to be an intimacy and a transparency whereby each allows the other to look into the soul of themselves by means of verbal communication. One of the best pieces of marriage advice that can be given is to prioritize communication. This is Set Free with Ken Legg. Thanks for joining us. Phil here along with author and pastor Ken Legg. And this week we're looking at the subject of marriage. And Ken, you just pointed out that good communication is an extremely important key to the success of every marriage, isn't it? Yes, it is. Not only in marriage, of course, but uh, communication is vital to the success of any organization. The problem is, Phil, that when we get married, many of us don't have a highly developed skill in communication. Mm. I mean, that's how it was in my case. I mean, in my home, there wasn't a lot of communication that went on. So it's kind of learned behavior. You bring over into your marriage what you saw in the home that you were brought up in, and uh, that's all you've got to work with. There are other reasons why people don't communicate easily. For some, it's not an easy thing anyway. They just don't have that natural ability to communicate well and uh, so on and so on. There are various reasons for this. But I guess it's not something that we have to accept if we have problems with communication. We can do something about it. We can learn to communicate. And um, I think let's go to the Bible for that again because there are some good, solid strong foundations that provide the basis for Mm -hmm. good communication. You know, in 1 John chapter 4, Phil, we read this, that God, first of all, manifested his love towards us in sending his son to die for us. John says this, now this is where love is, not that we love God, but that he loved us. So Mm -hmm. we then learn to respond to that love. He says, if God so loved us this way, then we can love others also. Let us love one another. So in other words, God heals us first, makes us whole, and then we're able to relate to other people. And so let's just kind of put that down in steps, if you like. First of all, Christ has loved us. Secondly, we accept that love. There comes a point where we consent to being loved by him. We know that we're loved. Then we accept ourselves then. Now, when we accept ourselves, we can accept others, and then we can communicate because the Bible says there's no fear in love. We're not afraid of one. When when love is operating between people, then we're not afraid of one another. You know, fear drives people away from each other, but love draws them to each other. Mm. Now, imagine for a moment, Ken, that I've got poor communication skills. I know it's a hard, hard thing for you to imagine, but what do I do? What's the first thing I can do? Okay, well, my advice uh, to, to you know, people in their marriage regarding communication is try to create and sustain a communicating atmosphere, an atmosphere or an environment where communication is going to take place. Now, 
I got married, Phil, almost 40 years ago. I know I don't even look 40, but there you go. That's, that's the fact of the matter. Back in those days, the three biggest enemies of communication were the telephone, the TV, and, okay, um, take this the right way, but the kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, because children would just interrupt you if you're trying yeah. to have a deep and meaningful conversation. Well, my, my wife and I have that self-same experience. Yeah. Uh, we try every evening to yeah. set aside some time. We will just sit and talk, even if it's only for 10 minutes. Yeah. You know, maybe a little longer. And the kids just keep coming in, you know, mum, yeah. this, dad, that. And it's like, you'd think they'd be trained by now to know that uh, this is mum and dad time, which is what we keep telling them. But they just yeah. keep coming back. So you've you got to learn to deal with those things. So, so let's take, for example, um, the phone. I learned that you can actually take that off the hook. Yep. <laughs> That's right. You know, it's a good servant, but don't ever let it become the master in your house. Yep. The TV has got an on and off switch. Yeah. Have you ever tried having a conversation with somebody who's watching the TV? <laughs> it's it's not easy, yeah. not when they're really engrossed in what they're watching. Now, the third thing, you can't eliminate the children. <laughs> but we used to wait until, you know, like when they were young, they went to bed. Yeah. So this is our time now. The telephone's off the hook, the TV's off, the kids are in bed. So we've created an environment where we've eliminated those things that militate against communication. Today, there, there are different kinds of things that militate against communication. I mean, in, the, in this age of multimedia, we've got the internet, for example. Just use that as one example. In many sort of typical homes, you'll have four or five computers and each family member is sitting at their computer. They're on the net. They're communicating with yep. everyone except for people inside the house. Yeah, have- so, you know, you've got, to work, you've got to actually create an atmosphere where those things that are the enemies of communication – they're not going to cut off communication. You've got to be uh, purposeful about it, make a decision that you're going to do something about it and set that time aside. And it's interesting how we've got this technology and everything happening today, but the Bible addresses so many of these issues, even though it's many thousands of years old. It seems to have a lot to say on this subject of communication. I guess it's because these things are relevant in whatever culture or time that you live in, aren't they? Yeah, it does. It's it's wonderful. I love that, that the Bible is so up to date that it speaks into every generation. You know, here's, here's a few examples of what it has to say about communication. It says, um, he who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. And the heart of the prudent acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise <laughs> seeks knowledge. In other words, we learn to listen. Yeah. Don't cut people off before they finish what they're saying because you may not know what they're saying, yeah. you know. So how, how often do we formulate an opinion on something without knowing all the facts as well? Yeah. Well, see, James says, you know, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. Mm. Somebody once put it this way, you've got two ears and, and one, one mouth. Yeah, yeah, think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Here's another one. Don't nag. Um, Proverbs 19 verse 13 says, A foolish son is the ruin of his father, and the contentions of a wife are a continual dripping. Now, um, a survey revealed that the thing that men most dislike from their wives is actually nagging. So, um, uh, you know, here's another proverb. Better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. Now, I've counseled people who, you know, guys that uh, basically they've just had enough. They're going to walk out and I've said to them, you're going to lose everything. He said, well, I'd rather live in just a, a little bed sitter mm. than in a mansion where, you know, I'm constantly being nagged. The very thing that the book of Proverbs says, you know. Mm. Um, here's another one. A soft answer turns away wrath. That's brilliant. Somebody once said there's, there's, a, 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 there's two ways to end an argument. One is in two hours and the other is in two seconds. And the two-second way is just to say, I'm sorry. <laughs> Often easier said than done. It's hard, it's hard <laughs> to argue with that, though, isn't it, really? It is. You know, like, um, it is it's not easy to say that, but, I mean, by the grace of God, we can. Yeah, a soft absolutely. answer turns away wrath. We can actually kill arguments if, we, uh, if we're wise, you know. It's one thing to say, I'm sorry, though, but your heart has to be in the right place. 
What if there's a heart, a deeper issue to be dealt with here? What do you do? Yeah, I mean, it's not just communication skills, is it, that is the key to successful communication. You know, you've got to go deeper than that. You're correct in saying that, Phil. And and I think sometimes we need to uh, deal with the attitudes which cripple communication. Voltaire's not a man that I often quote, but he said this. He said, um, I disagree with what you say, but I will defend to the end your right to say it. Mm. I think one of the things we need to learn in marriage is that we're not always going to agree. And it's okay to disagree. You know, we can we can be agreeable in our disagreement. You know, we can agree to disagree. That's what I'm saying. Mm. And um, when there's not that kind of uh, liberty to do that, then a person feels smothered and that they're not really themselves. They're just trying to pretend to be someone that their partner wants them to be. Mm. And so I think we've got to really be um, uh, sensitive to one another in that, in that area. What if things go wrong, though, and it all turns nasty and angry? What then? Well, look, anger's not a bad thing. The Bible says, be angry but sin not. When does anger become a bad thing? When it's destructive. Now, anger can be destructive in two ways because people express anger in two ways. Some people internalize it, then it's self-destructive. You get sick, you know, if you're suppressing anger and uh, all this negative emotions churning away on the inside, eventually you're going to get sick. It's destructive. Because others um, express their anger externally. They don't internalize it. They just vent it. They just let it all out. And then it's destructive. You know, we say those nasty words and once you've said them, you can't take them back. The damage is done. And so I think the thing is um, about anger, let it be constructive. So never attack the person, but attack the problem. Use your anger to try to find solutions to a problem that's arisen between you. Practical discussion today on the subject of marriage. And there's more to come tomorrow. Hope you can join us. Until then, remember, you don't have to carry that baggage. God wants you to be set free. For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Legg, including the book Against All Odds, which features topics from today's message, visit the Vision Christian store at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au.